0: Hello, and welcome back to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I'm Amy, and oh no, what's this? We've all been magically teleported inside a video game. Quick, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Missy, go mining. Mike?
1: Find and eat an entire turkey. Tommy? Turn around, there's always something behind you.
0: Liam? Yeah? We're a family of people who've been stuck in a video game and we're bringing you along for our experiences. Yeah. Sure,
2: why
3: It's not
1: like you're really questioning. Yeah.
3: she's has like, sucked into somebody, a video game. She's questioning
2: I? life hard right now. <laughs> Amy, oh, I'm what sorry, would I'm you
3: sorry. do? Hoard every item you find and never use it until after the last boss has been killed?
2: Yeah, most likely. That's, oh, I also yeah. do
3: that.
0: I feel like if, if I was caught into a video game, I'd be like, time to explore. And I would just go everywhere and, and just like go into people's houses and look for <laughs> stuff. Because it's fine. It's a video game. I'm not going to get in trouble.
3: That's got to be like one of the hardest things for game developers because I, in a lot, like if you play Skyrim or any of the main like Bethesda style games, I just hoard everything. I'm like, well, I might need this potion later on. And then, yeah, <laughs> yep. I have like 300 potions at the end. And I'm like, well, I should have used them in those really tough fights. But then, you know, you just figure out a way to cheese it.
1: I always feel like, because I play. So many video games that I don't, I don't hoard anymore. I just use because experimentation in games is so much fun. And if they, they put it there, they want you to use it. So I'm just like, well, whatever. It's not like it's IRL like diamonds. I'm not like wasting 30 K right now in front of everyone. Like, nope. Yeah. Just gonna use this stupid potion and have some stupid fun.
3: That's why. I am excited a little bit more for the the new Legend of Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, after finding out some of the systems <laughs> that they're going to have in there. So the item durability is back, and a lot of people hated that. But I thought that the item durability in Breath of the Wild allowed you to really experiment with different weapons or constantly use your best one a lot of people hated it because of that hoarding mentality like oh no i have to save the best weapon for a strong enemy but then you realize like you just get inundated with a bunch of great weapons and you're just constantly doing inventory management if you don't use your best ones but the new tears of the kingdom gameplay seems to be that you pretty much pick up whatever's lying around and then you merge it with, sorry, fuse it with other items around to give you totally different benefits. So it it really seems like they're going on the exploration aspect of just trying to figure out what you can use around you to fuse it to another weapon and, and make it really cool. An example, of, has anybody seen the gameplay? Oh, yeah. Nah, I'm not interested. Oh, you're dumb. Yeah, I'm, I'm not interested because I think the overworld is going to be fairly similar and I like exploring new areas. But I watched this to see like, okay, what are they actually doing with the game? So you have a ability called fuse and in the gameplay demonstration that they had, they would pick up like a sword and then there'd be a boulder next to it and then, I'm sorry, a stick and then there would be a boulder next to it and they'd fuse a stick with a boulder and all of a sudden it made like a hammer with a boulder. It did more damage and it increased the durability. They had one where somebody had like a spear and they fused it with a pitchfork and made this super long spear. It's just interesting to see how the combat, I think, is going to be very exploratory in nature. Anti-hoarding, where you just like use whatever's around you for fun. So I'm really, I'm kind of excited for that.
4: It's, It's
1: like, yeah, exploring in combat, which is something they didn't do previously. And I loved I love the durability system because I think I think it backfired in them. But I think what they were intending was for you to consistently use your environment in unique ways to kill enemies or just like use other tools in your arsenal to mess up enemies. But this just like enhances all of that tenfold. So I'm looking forward to it's gonna be fun. I'll probably buy a switch. No, I'm not going to buy a Switch. I'm going to wait for a Switch Pro or something like that. (laughs) And then I'll buy. Yeah, because it's like, this is going to be the last game on the Switch, most likely. Last big title. It is interesting. It's been like six or seven years, six years now. Since
3: Breath of the Wild came out and Breath of the Wild was also optimized for the Wii U. So it wasn't a fully Switch optimized game, whereas this one should be. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, because it, it released on both the Wii U and the Switch at the same time. This one obviously is only going to be on the Switch. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it cautiously. I'm probably not going to view any more materials about it. The only thing I really hope is that the exploration aspect, that the map isn't the same map, that it is fairly drastically different in terms of
1: exploration,
3: so that I don't get that stale
1: feeling. Because, I mean, out of everyone here, you explored the ends of the earth of that map. (laughs) Yeah, I got all the
3: Korok seeds, and that was hell. (laughs) It It was... Driving me crazy and I hated it, but I was bored and I had nothing to do in life and decided that, that was my goal and what a terrible goal that was.
1: Don't ever do that. Oh, and you completed it.
0: I never liked Breath of the Wild. And I think I've said this before. It's mostly because of the durability thing. And I'm also the kind of person that I'm like, ah, screw a main quest. Give me all the side quests. Or let me search for all of the things around the map rather than do anything of importance. And it takes me so long to finish those kinds of video games that I'm just like, I I want something that gives me more direction. Because otherwise I will be here for forever. And I'm already busy not doing other things that I should be so
3: yeah it is amazing how how much either love or hate that game gets for various reasons it's either like somebody's favorite entry into the zelda series or they're just like oh it's it's so bad and i don't like it and all this and it reminds me that you know whatever media or art that you do does not have to be for forever for everybody it can Mm -hmm. just be for whoever you want it to be and i think you have to know ahead of time like yeah okay this this isn't going to reach everybody it will reach a wide audience but not the widest possible one and i think when you start to to do with the widest possible audience, then it declines in what it could have been versus what it is. Obviously.
2: The more you try to please everyone with what you're doing, the more likely you are to not please anyone.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: So this brings up an interesting thing because Liam and I, as well as Brendan, were in D.C. this previous week. And one of the places we visited was the Art Smithsonian. And it gave me an entirely new perspective on art, specifically abstract art, because I've never, not just abstract art, but just art in general, like visuals. I've never been one to go out of my way to seek this type of art, but I figured, you know, I'm here, so we might as well do it and I feel like it was one of the only times that I've come across art where not only did I like really not enjoy it but I couldn't get in the mindset of someone who would enjoy it (laughs) and I should have talked to like people who were actually there I overheard a bunch of conversations that were essentially the professionals giving you context on the art that was there so that you can enjoy the colors that they chose or enjoy the reason why they did they paint that a certain way and I'm not dissing the art I'm just saying I personally didn't enjoy it and I didn't understand why others enjoyed it and I want to understand why others enjoy it because it's such like a facet of art that I am completely unfamiliar to that I would love to hear someone passionate talk about and make me understand why they love it and i'm kind of honing in my quote-unquote attacks towards abstract art specifically because that it just goes over my head 100 over my head i just i don't enjoy it and i don't understand how to enjoy it or why others enjoy it
3: i would love to see anybody explain something that they're passionate about that i don't get It is very fun to find people who are like, oh, my gosh, anime, let me explain it to you. And I go, "Okay, I don't get it, but you're super passionate about it and you seem really excited. So I want to hear what you have to say.
1: Exactly. And I think for the most part, I can put myself in the shoes of someone else and understand why they like that particular art. It was just, I guess, my lack of knowledge towards physical, you know, paintings and drawings and art like that. I was so in in the dark, whether or not I liked it <laughs> or like what it, I'm like, I don't understand. This just shapes. My brain is confused. And I don't know if that's how you felt, Liam.
4: I mean, yeah, some of it. Yeah, I I would mostly agree with you on a lot of the abstract art, just as like, I guess it's just not for me. It's not really conveying anything. There's nothing to read underneath. It's just some, like, lines and stuff on a canvas, and sometimes not even a canvas, but I don't know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really, like, speak out to me, or there's nothing that I visualize or think of when I see it. I'm just looking at colors and shapes just there together. Can I ask you
3: both a question? Did you while you were there were there certain pieces that did stick out to you? You're like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Yeah. Just when you were looking around at all the other stuff you went and and saw something you were like, "Oh, I like that."
1: Yeah. 100%. But being able to and I think again this comes from my lack of knowledge for me, being able to decipher specifically in the abstract art why I liked it or not, I could not verbalize. I just did and I, I don't know if that's something others could verbalize as well. Be like, I just like the way this comes together. I felt like it was weird, too, because overhearing some conversations, you would hear someone talking about a piece and they were like, well, the reason why this is colored in such muddy grays is because this was at the beginning of World War II. And you can see as this artist evolves, he uses more colors because they're more hopeful as time goes on, as the war starts to end. And I found that is interesting, but that piece of history is interesting to the context of the art and the art itself wasn't interesting Mm. to me. And I found that a whole new world of like weird complexities to art that I didn't understand. And again, it's something where I'm like, someone talk about it. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to compare it as, as much as I could to music in like in the most loose way possible. Because music is what I'm familiar with. So what would I do in the shoes of this artist? Like, would I just make music? Is that what that artist was doing? They were just making this art during World War II as just a means to express how they felt, not without words, but on a painting, because it's what they could do at the time. Would I have done something in their situation, but with music? So I, I tried to like point it in that perspective, but again, I'm just so in the unknown and I found it so fascinating that other people loved it.
3: Yeah, I mean,
1: some people definitely have a passion about the overall subject. I, I find that
3: when I go to museums in general, I do not like about 80% of the stuff in in there. And I, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, art museums specifically. About 80% yeah. of the stuff I'm like, meh. But then I find these pieces and they're like, oh, that's really cool. And it doesn't matter if I know to me alone doesn't matter if i know why i like it i just think could i hang that up in a house is that something that i could own is it something that speaks to me or that informs my personality or something like that or something i find really cool and interesting and that's how i have gone to more art museums is not looking to try and understand why all of it is good i only look for the stuff that i just naturally drawn to
2: I'm the same way.
1: I think cause this legitimately was like my first art museum that I willingly went into mm. and I wanted to go into to explore. So it was it was really my first in my eyes. So I had all these questions in my head and I was thinking about the art. So I think going into that perspective is, is a unique perspective if I go into any of them the next time. Um but yeah, that was a that was an interesting experience that that happened to me that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to be so pondered by. It by art like physical art especially in dc but it was a is a topic that as i'm exploring new avenues of art i feel like i become slowly more mature with all of it and it it's so it's such a weird topic to think about but i like
3: it it's interesting too to think i don't know what the art specific museum
1: that you went to but a lot
3: of museums are also based around culture or genres of art and if you had a museum that had, okay, we're only going to have one piece from this culture from this time period, and then we'll have another piece from a different culture in a different time period, and you went around, it would be astonishing the difference that you would see in art yeah. pieces.
1: Maybe, and, and I'm, I'm kind of remembering this, I think I told Brendan and Liam that what I appreciated in abstract art, I appreciated more in sculptures than I did in paintings mm-hmm. because... This is from a complete naive perspective, but my initial thought was, well, that sculpture took a hell of a lot more work and time and blood and sweat and tears than it felt like that painting did. Or at least again, in my naive look on that art, because there was like an entire massive section of sculptures and that was just another fascinating avenue of art I really hadn't explored. And it was so interesting to see people go so in depth with it. I'm intrigued with the work that it takes to make them. I just think ultimately, I'm intrigued by different forms of art. Like, that's what I'm intrigued by. The more art I can discover, the better. Gives me a perspective on what qualifies as art in my eyes versus someone else's eyes. And I think the more I can expand what is art and what is art to me, what is art to others, the better an artist I will become. I just, I just, I find all of it so interesting, whether I like it or not.
0: Now, Tommy, speaking of your DC trip, speak of it. <laughs> yeah,
1: there we <you> go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we Liam, Brennan, and I all decided we wanted to go to DC. It was Liam's spring break, and this is the first time that, on my own, I got to plan a little bit and I got to decide I want to explore this area with.
4: People. We went to the botanical gardens. Which is really awesome. nice. There's a lot of plants in there. <laughs> I didn't recognize a lot of them. I went in there and was looking in there for flowers, and realized that we passed all the flowers going through the outside part, and so I was a little disappointed with that. But there's a lot of cool plants that I had no idea existed. It was a huge area. A big, a uh, bit of a con going through it is I had a huge um, allergic reaction to something. Hmm. And it still itches, it's still red. Just on the back of your hands, though. Just on the back of my hands. (laughs) And it's going up, it's been going up the arm a little bit, but not that far. Uh, I don't have any allergies, and it was weird just going through a garden, and I had an allergic reaction to something. And it felt different, I have no idea what it was, because there's, like, thousands of plants in there. And who knows, a bunch of different environments. But yeah, it it was, overall, it was a great area. It was presented very well, and all, like, had a lot of interesting facts about, like, A lot of times you have a lot of common, common plants, like something like potatoes, a lot of common foods, when in reality they're only like, they're from a very specific area and you had no idea and they're only like discovered on a couple centuries ago. That's very interesting. It's very cool.
1: I find it fascinating too, at least with a lot of the plants in the main area, they had plants sectioned off in such a way where it was by region so that they could control the temperature, the water it was getting for all the plants. All at one point, but I I found it so fascinating that in the main area they were able to keep like so many varieties of plants in one area, and they all was just like yep, they all took the same temperature, they all were taking the same mist, like they were all taking the same water. I'm like that's really cool how they were able to do that
4: without every single one of them dying. Yeah, it was it was it was just generally a very cool area, very nice.
1: I want to get into air and space and the. Uh, The Library of Congress, but we couldn't because a lot, about half of the Smithsonian's now are ticketed, so we can't, we couldn't get into those. Like, they were ticketed for a whole week. So we didn't go into those, but we did go into the Holocaust Museum. And I also found that one really interesting because they, were, they weren't holding back, which I appreciated, but they were giving perspectives on both sides of particular arguments. Like there were quotes and one quote you might agree with and the other quote you would disagree with. And I really liked all of that there. They weren't trying to just tell one side of the story. I mean, it was obviously pretty focused on how the US reacted to it, but there was a particular question about, it's like, do you think what's happening in Germany is wrong? And it was like a resounding yes. And they're like, do you think we should take 10,000 Jewish children over to the United States? And it was like a resounding no. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is a whole new perspective that I didn't understand beforehand. And all of these polls were taken in like early to late, you know, 30s, 30s, 30s 40s, 40s yeah. and stuff like I'd that. I'd say by far,
4: the Holocaust Museum was by far the best one we went to for me personally during the whole trip. It was extremely well presented, and there was like several floors, which I didn't expect there to be so much. But like, it takes you through chronologically, chronologically time each floor of what's going on around the different countries where a lot of the a lot of the events take place, which I found really interesting. Right. And we didn't know, but you also needed to be ticketed for this one, and so we had to wait around for like an hour and a half, two hours, and there was a whole waiting part on like a, a floor underneath. Ground and it was it was mainly centric on like the whole U.S. side of the Holocaust yeah. and how that was mainly the U.S. like the main section wasn't too focused on U.S. as every now and then, but that was where we got a lot of the U.S. information from it was just like a waiting room and it was it was really interesting just seeing all these moments and all these moments, all these like events and crazy stuff that's happened in the U.S. and many other countries that weren't as involved in the Holocaust at least towards the beginning. And how it was reacted and how the people just saw the Nazis before, like now today they're the infamous, the Nazis, you know, we know everything about them. They're truly evil. But at the time they were just a bit of, they're just a political party in another country far away that was saying stuff that wasn't as crazy back then as today. And it was really interesting to see everybody's uh, perspective of that.
1: Again, another art thing is that I I loved how I didn't love it, but I was just very fascinated by how I knew there was a shift in Hollywood during that time, but how the moment the American public started to believe what was actually, believe the Holocaust was happening and believe that there was atrocities going on, movies in Hollywood started shifting from being very subtle with their messages to just outright being like, The Nazis are bad. Germany is not okay right now. Here's a a movie with Hitler in it. Because beforehand, the the entirety of Germany was like, I think like the second or third most popular country that was taking in Hollywood movies at the time. And so therefore, Hollywood was pandering to Germany at the time. And art was very subtle. The the idea of a movie was very subtle because they didn't want to piss off Germany. And then as soon as the American public was like, we waged war boom that art shifted instantly Mm. and i'm like oh wow yeah so i found that found that pretty fascinating. i don't think of any other museums we went to i think those were like it it, it. for the most part we were just kind of we you know dressed up fancy went to really nice dinners we went to this indian restaurant literally probably one of the best meals i've ever had Top three, disgustingly amazing. Yeah, like I, oh. <laughs> I was like, um, where are you going with that? <laughs> it's uh, Words cannot describe how I felt in that moment. I was just staring forward in front of Brendan and Liam the entire time, just taking it in. I was like, oh, my God. Well, know. that restaurant. They're like, do you want anything, sir? I'm like, oh, I want more oh, <laughs> That want restaurant bread. isn't just amazingly
2: <laughs> tasty. The ambiance there is a like work of art itself. It's so beautiful. Is it like beautiful. the Rainforest it was... Cafe? <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's its own type of art, yes. And we liked that. But this just felt so very artistic floor to ceiling not just oh the furniture is nice or there's a piece of art on the wall but the whole way that the building had been designed was beautiful
4: i wanted to go inside and get that experience but bennett and tommy wanted to sit outside so i we didn't really see
2: like psycho
4: that. yeah.
2: the inside's so nice
1: oh and we got splashed by potomac water so we're gonna become the monsters out of those. Well, that's what's movie. wrong with your arms, Liam. I was just thinking that, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's,
2: that's what the reaction was.
1: Oh, I did sweet talk my way into getting free Pedigo rentals. Yes, sir. Five hours. <laughs> that's awesome. It was great. That's yeah, cool. we did. We did the uh, Mount Vernon Trail again. Oh, nice. Being out in just nature, just exploring, being happy. It was fun. It was great to talk about another pedago bikes to another owner slash mechanic who's also passionate about it yeah it was a good experience i don't know it was a chill time it was like a good like get away from daily life spend way too much money and come back and cry about it
3: (laughs) aaron just last night was like we haven't been on a vacation in a while and i was like what are you talking about you just went in december and before that we went in like june and before that you went in february like you've been on like three vacations in a year it's like yeah it hasn't been a while i want I want another one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh she just wants to travel. Yeah, she just
1: wants to to get out of town for more than
3: one day. Which I get.
1: So uh, yeah, I can't blame her. It it was really nice coming back and sleeping in your own in your own bed. That was a great feeling. You and slept then in Mike's after... bed? Yeah. I slept <laughs> in Mike's bed. Is that why it was so lumpy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Mike a bit, just dove I into, I into bed, the landed animals. on top <laughs> of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we took a trip down Memory Lane. We went to Crofton. That was interesting. Yeah, our house is weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, they've done a really nice job on the property. Yeah,
1: it's a huge upgrade.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah. I'm assuming well, they cleaned it and did
3: actual additions and filled in the dig-out pit that Tommy made well, as a child.
2: You can't really tell because there's, well, there's a fence around the whole yard.
3: But oh, I guarantee they filled that in. Come oh, I'm on. sure they tore no. out all
2: the trees except the two big ones. So yeah. Oh wow. Even the third big one's gone. So they only kept the trees that have the swing set on it. It's like a really nice porch. And they've got blue siding. Which is huge. Beautiful plants outside. And all the Bradford pear trees up and down the street are gone. I thought that was interesting. interesting. It's like everyone tore them out on that side of the, that end of the street.
1: This also brings up, I don't know if, do you guys ever use dreams as inspiration for something like a work of art? Sure. And I'm going to preface it with, on our way to Crofton, I knew that behind our old house, where big fields, big open fields, and just like grass farms used to be, there are now just, it's just housing. Housing like as far as the eye can mega see.
2: Mega housing. Like, wow, yeah. those are million dollar properties housing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Big old housing. And I remember seeing that a few years back, and I had like weird nightmarish dreams. Where I'm just sitting from afar, and like that's where like a weird alien invasion happens, and I've always wanted to use that visual in my head from the dream as inspiration for something.
0: I've actually had a very similar dream to that about the Crofton house where. We were standing on the street and you look up in the sky and there was like a bunch of our airships, like military airships kind of in the sky. And you look out past the house and there's all of these alien airship military force and they're headed straight to each other over our house. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> like I remember I woke up in a cold sweat one time because of that. I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't want to dream about that again. So. I definitely think that dreams are like that are interesting because they can help inspire a story if you're really interested in like, I'm I'm a pretty active dreamer. I have really interesting dreams that I usually can remember when I wake up. So uh, yeah, I've definitely taken things that I've seen in a dream and created new or created a story out of it. I probably should write more of them down because I think some of them are interesting to the point where it's like, yeah, that would be a really good story. But then some of them are like, Tommy was a giraffe, and we were doing lines of coke off of a bathroom floor. Like, I don't oh. understand. <laughs> that. Yeah,
1: that's that's usually <laughs> that's usually dreams like that. I feel like dreams are the original AI art. Am I wrong?
0: Oh, that's a good Maybe. point. Yeah, but it's our own AI.
3: Yeah, it's taking a bunch of inputs and trying to mash them together into something
1: that makes sense. Yeah, just well, usually nonsensical, but. I feel like they always stem some sort of creativity for me. Like I wake up and I'm instantly like, "Oh, that was that was a really unique visual or that that could be a really unique story."
3: You know what I hate but, yeah, about yeah, I well, dreams, I guess dreams and media, I just don't enjoy If I'm watching a show or a movie and somebody's having a dream, I just I'm so bored the whole time. I don't care what's going on in your subconscious and having it represented on on TV. I can't think of a single dream besides like Inception because it's all a dream. But that's like Mm -hmm. the point of it. I can't think of a single instance where I, I thought that a dream
4: added to a story. I completely agree with you streams and stories and movies and whatever super stupid.
2: There's one example I can think of and that would be Terminator 2 if you've seen the uncut version. She's having nightmares the entire movie and it changes the feel of the movie from this woman who's like a badass trying to, you know, save the future to a woman who is suffering from a horrific traumatic PTSD situation and is desperately fighting to do what she thinks will save everybody from the nightmare she's already experienced. And that one Sorry, I think example. works really well. If, But only if you watch the whole movie, not the one that was originally released because that one only has one nightmare clip whereas the full-length one has multiple of them and it gives you a much better picture of what's going on
3: mm, that james cameron sure knows how to make a movie <sighs>
2: eh, debatable
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't think let's the Terminators go all right good? amy on the james Cameron's fad
1: let's hear your <laughs> arguments yeah i, wanna, I, wanna, yeah, I, I want to i want to i want you this. to go deeper into this let's go
0: um I, it's mostly just explosions right isn't that James Cameron, the mm. guy?
1: Yeah, there were no, so that's... many explosions in Titanic.
3: It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I thought he
2: also. Wait, hold on, hold please. Oh my gosh! Do you I remember
3: all go. the explosions in The Abyss?
2: I know. Oh man, insane. water explosions are <laughs> the best.
3: Do you remember all the explosions <laughs> in Aliens? Okay, well I'll check.
2: Some well, of those. let me at the
0: post. I was thinking of Michael Bay. My bad. Yeah. I was oh, waiting I for that. Thing Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, i To be honest. Avatar didn't really do it for me. I think that it's more about hype than anything. I said what movies. I said. <laughs> it's it's, it's, not it's the kind only movie of baffling to me.
1: That's another like, artistic perspective that's baffling to me, that you don't like Avatar, even though I feel like at the time, the entire point of the first Avatar was pushing new CGI technology to its absolute limits. Like That's a beautiful movie, and visuals... Are super important to you?
0: Yeah, I just felt like it was hyped up way too much, so that by the time I saw it, I was just like, "This is just okay." And that they were talking about like how it was such an incredible storyline, and I think the thing that it just felt like a retelling of other stories, like um, didn't Pocahontas feel like an and... original
2: story concept. No, yeah, it didn't feel like oh.
0: a. Re- it just felt like a retelling of other stories, but in a very magical, fantastical CGI world. It's,
3: see it's funny cuz like all I ever heard about Avatar is like yeah the story is just Pocahontas it's like totally a rehash but the visuals are great. Like everybody was like the story sucks but you're it's a movie, you know.
0: Yeah, but I I don't know. I just felt like to me that didn't make it enough of like a a wow's like oh wow this is so incredible. I mean, I think the whole process of them making Avatar incredible. They did some incredible work. He worked on it for so long, for like 10 years or something. And then he worked on the sequel and all the other ones for like 10 years. Like, good for you. I am glad that you've done something that no one else has like tried to accomplish. And apparently like the water in the second Avatar movie is like so realistic. And that's because most of it was filmed underwater as well. Incredible. Good for you. I just, the storyline was so average and like, meh. That it, the CGI, in in my opinion, didn't make up for the lack of of good story.
3: It's almost like you're saying story is more important than setting or visuals. <laughs> in,
0: in this case, I feel like <laughs> y- yes, yes, it does.
4: But you liked Rings of Power,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. because of the visuals. Listen, don't,
4: don't...
2: <laughs> no <laughs> no question,
4: question <laughs> my logic.
2: The visuals, okay. I no, I did like the story. The difference is the story itself, right? The story wasn't, let's just retell something that's already been done multiple times and pretend like it's a new thing. The story is, here's additional content to a story you've ar- you already know.
0: Yeah, and I thought that the acting was way better. In, in my opinion, I thought it was way better than Avatar. And yeah, the visuals, in my opinion, for The Rings of Power were... They were way better than Avatar. I would watch Rings of Power again in a heartbeat over Avatar.
1: I guess the way you have to compare it is watching Rings of Power to the new Avatar. I'm you know, not going to see the new the first one was 2008, so I feel yeah. like that's incomparable.
0: But I, I also just like, I don't have a need to go see it because I wasn't I, we'll watch wowed it. it's okay. we'll watch by it. the first one. So why would I go see the sequel to a movie that I was just like, meh?
1: I want to talk about something, which is a new thing, which is the old the thing what liam and i brennan all watched the thing oh Oh, the the um Charmin carpenters the thing was fully expecting to be eighty schlock Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it was like really good and the practical effects stood the test of time so well i mean that's a movie that was able to take wonderful practical effects make you feel scared and then make you feel scared of everyone else by showing you normally showing you one perspective of one character and that was good horror and it was good storytelling it's another you know shifting of my perspective on art but that was another thing of like well i can't just even though there is a lot of eighty schlock sometimes you gotta watch it sometimes you gotta watch like the thing it, it blows me away how good those practical disgusting gory elements where they were yeah.
3: so good that, that is truly a highlight of horror in general but i'd also say definitely you know sci-fi horror like it's that an alien pretty much are like the sci-fi horror standards in my opinion my favorite schlock moment of that movie is like right in the beginning when kurt russell is playing chess against the computer and he's losing and he'll just like pours his <laughs> coffee into the computer and fries
1: it it's so stupid <laughs> yeah I, that's the first thing i said i was like oh okay he must be in just like some local library and then it just like pans out to him being on yeah just a deserted snow plane and i was like what yeah so that, that why would you do that, that movie
3: came out in 82 so you gotta imagine that in like the arctic having a scientific computer yeah. in the 80s like he's just like yeah here's ten thousand dollars we don't need
1: <laughs> just like
3: <laughs> i lost chest goodbye i say chest i lost chest i lost chest 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 whatever
1: It was just a really good movie, and the more I think about it, the more I love it. I love how it's just, it's you as an audience member being pitted against everyone else in this crew, and you don't know who it is exactly, and I feel like they're trying to solve it in intelligent ways, because there's a lot of schlock in 80s movies that's like, oh, what if we held a flashlight to the eyeball? oh that didn't work what if we had a flashlight to the fingernails and it's just like they don't feel like intelligent creatures and it feels like this situation all the characters were actually yeah intelligent they were trying to work and solve a problem intelligently and that was that was part of the reason why i love the stories
3: they're, they're just well-written characters in general they're scientists they trying to figure out a science-based problem of who is the thing where yeah. is the thing what is it like it's great it's great horror highly recommend it
0: James Cameron did True Lies. I love that movie. There
3: mm-hmm. you go. Huh? That movie really did have explosions. Huh? Oh. Yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: again, I thought it was Michael Bay. My bad. It's okay. Moving on. Sorry. It is interesting
3: thinking about like the sci-fi horror aspect of what you have to do to to really be get like horrifying. Isn't that what yeah. like good horror should be? It's just a really simple story. It really mm-hmm. should be.
2: If you spend too much time as an a viewer trying to follow a story or figure out things going on it's distracting you from the main point which is to scare you yeah so the simpler it is the more you have a chance of actually scaring your audience
1: it's the whole notion of simple story complex characters like mm-hmm. you're more invested in these characters when you understand what the plot of the movie is you're just trying to understand who these characters are so or
0: how they're going to get out of the situation that they yeah. are now in
1: yeah I also think that
3: with horror, specifically the simplicity of it, it also establishes the rules that the world is operating in, yes. you know, what the monster or villain of the horror, if, if it's really complex and you have to think about it a bunch, it kind of just drives away from the horror aspect. But if you keep the rules really simple and you say, OK, this is bad guy, they get hurt when you stab him in the heart with a silver stake or something, then you understand, OK, this is how we kill that person. And that's the rule that you have to follow. But when you start going, well, you have to do that, but it has to be during the daylight. And it can't be when the person has had garlic or you know, you just start adding all these like layers of complexity, it becomes super schlocky and you get less invested in it because all you need to know is that one simple rule of how these elements interact in a story.
0: Well, take a movie like Alien, for instance, how there are things that are slowly slowly revealed throughout the movie that even though it makes the villain quote-unquote the alien more complex it, there are still simple reveals like mm-hmm. them having acid blood or them like the face huggers being in a thing like it adds to the horror of what
2: the horror element that's, is that's the thing it's not adding complicated rules about what can and cannot yep. do it's adding another layer of horror to it Yeah, horror and understanding can't get worse. You're like, oh my gosh, no, it got worse. Yeah, I need to go watch those movies again. Yeah, (laughs) I got the itch.
3: (laughs) I have the itch to be terrified for the next few weeks. Speaking of action horror, I guess you can kind of say horror. I watched Prey on Hulu about a month ago or something, and it's really, really good. Well done you know lower budget but it worked very well for it it did not feel cheap ever and I think it's a really great compliment to Predator specifically like the first movie and it definitely took the tone of Predator where it was like hey something is hunting us and we have to be smart about encountering this as opposed to just using brute force and it ran with that and was definitely the best sequel of this in terms of movies as a prequel but it is it is a really good movie and it's fun
0: good. so you do you you don't think that Predator versus Alien was a good one?
3: Technically, I feel like that I don't probably think the That's dead. canon for either Predator oh, okay. or Alien. It's just uh, a fun one-off. <laughs> yeah
0: or two off is it one or two it doesn't matter whatever moving on
3: i remember there there was like a video game cabinet arcade cabinet back in the day and i think it had like predator terminator and alien and something else maybe robocop or it was like it was like a whole bunch of different and i was like what is this that's the movie that we need do you want some true nostalgia bait to like get people in the theaters for no apparent reason
1: do that so you just want like mortal Kombat, but if all the characters were 80s action heroes yes or '80s action
0: villains
1: yeah or oh yeah 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 80s action icons how about that or just think, 80s yeah icons. There we go. yeah
0: i think that would actually make an interesting enough story that it's like you have those remember berries but it's also like this is something totally different because these streams should not be crossed and yet they're crossing what's gonna happen
3: Explosions. explosions yeah, well, are boom, boom,
0: boom, 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 boom. Lots of death. <laughs> sure.
3: Well, that's it. I don't anything. Well, I'm tired. <laughs> Amy and the podcast. I, I have to do logarithmic
1: regression homework. Yay. Oh, that sounds terrible.
2: I have to take a shower.
1: I have to switch laundry.
2: I have to finish closing the books for the hotel. And laundry. And dinner.
0: Alrighty, well, thank
2: you for listening to this kind
0: of catch-up podcast. Catch-up well, not a catch up, a catch catch up, caught not, up. A ca- not a condiment, a caught up, a caught up.
1: Caught we caught up, Thank up you for podcast. listening to this mustard podcast. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> if you were an 80s action icon, who would you be? And if you went to the museums in D.C., which one would you not go to? Because I think that'd be more interesting than which one you would go to. Anyways, <laughs> which one <laughs> you would you not go to and why? Oh, and why? Yeah, we need a why as well. Uh, you can reach us at 1L2N Productions over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit, or you can hit us up over on 1L2NProductions.com, which is our website. And if you want to donate, not, I guess, donate, help support us over on Patreon, that'd be awesome as well. And the last word of the day is going to go to, and I'm using your, your skull dice that you nice. got get me to. So skull dice! It's me. Rick. Okay. I would not go to the air and space museum because I've been there so many times. I don't need to see it yet again. It's the worst museum. There are other museums. It's the basic museum.